Hey, thanks for listening to our Life Church Utah podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you can check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. The, uh, the, the exciting thing that I have uh, to talk to you about today is something I think you're all going to uh, be familiar with. And uh, after a hard day, you know, I'm going to move this thing back here. After a hard day, what do you do? <laughs> One honest person here today. <laughs> Right? So, so what do we do, right? So for many of us, not everybody, I know actually second service does this, but nobody in first service does this. I know that, right? But we come home after a long, hard day of work, or maybe uh, we're stressed out because of something going on in our lives, and uh, we plop down at our home, and we pick up the remote, and we immediately start surfing. Now, the thing is, this is my YouTube account which is very scary, right? Because now you're going to see, like, because then it pops up things, you know, that, uh, that I'm just going, okay, so these are the things that, you know, like La Palma Volcano. Anybody knows there's a volcano going on in the Canary Islands? I will sit and watch that. I don't know why. But I'll sit and watch that, and then, I'll, you know, go on with, you know, cryptocurrency, and we'll, you know, whatever, and then we'll get in, and I got some worship music that I play, right? Okay, so there's a good Christian. You know, so got all this stuff, and, and uh, if, if you're like me from time to time, this just happens. And then we say to ourselves, there's nothing on here that I want to watch. So what do we do? Ah, let's go to uh, uh, Disney. For sure, Disney has something I want to watch. And so then we go to Disney, and then we sit on our couch for another bit of time, and we start looking. At, this is my old family right there, and I am Darth Vader, so uh, there we go. <laughs> Speaking of Darth Vader, how about we just watch some Mandalorian right now? Okay, we'll just sit down here, right? And so, so then we scroll through this, and let's say we choose one of these things to watch, and so then we watch it. The crazy thing is, the next time we hop onto Disney Plus or wherever we're watching, something very similar will come on, and there's a recommendation that gives me something very similar to what I just watched. And so what do I do? Because I feel compelled, because they went to all the work to find something that I want to watch, so what do I do? I click, let's watch again. But as it might be for you, as it is for me oftentimes, after scrolling through, looking for something to watch on Disney Ah, I can't find anything, so uh, let me go to, uh, you know, Amazon. Because <laughs> they've got everything, right? And so then we go to Amazon, and uh, we're still doing this. And oh, by the way, while we're doing that, we're probably on our phones as well, scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through TikTok or whatever it is, giving it what we want, right? And so we hop on here, and then here we go, the same sort of problem, right? <sighs> And we sit. How many of you does this look familiar? <laughs> right? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, this becomes a lot of our reality. Right? And then, you know, we can't find any, there's nothing I want to watch, has millions of shows, right? And you go to Hulu, or then you go to Netflix, or you go, right? And we do this study show for hours a day, looking for something that's going to capture our hearts, 
looking for something that's going to grab our attention for long enough that we can forget some of the struggles and problems and difficulties that we're facing. And there are times, yes, as your pastor, (laughs) that I have unfortunately scrolled way too long, and I look at the clock, and I go, Lord, it is three in the morning. No, I haven't done that for a long time. Right. <laughs> Lord, it, it, God, it has been way too long that I have been stuck here. Way too long. And then the conviction of the Holy Spirit sets in until tomorrow when you scroll a little bit more. Right? I'm just being real, folks. I mean, this is, this is our reality. When I was growing up, Saturday morning cartoons is the only place you could find good cartoons, right? Now, bad cartoons are everywhere, (laughs) right? Junk, right? The entertainment industry had not uh, learned how to grab our hearts in the way that it does now. Because the stuff that we click on, we're going to find that again and again and again. And again, and our field of view becomes narrower and narrower and narrower. And we forget that there are people that think very differently than me. We think, oh, everybody's YouTube channel looks like mine. Everybody's watching the same thing that I am watching. It's probably not the case. Because there's things behind it, AI that is, you know, trying to grab our hearts and they understand how to get our attention and how to change the way that we believe. It's kind of like, um, there's a book that was written in 1942 or 1947, I think. I think I got a picture of it. Um, You are what you eat. Right? We are what we consume. And uh, so so the basic premise here was what you eat impacts every bit of your life. And this is 1947, 1942, um, and it made a big splash within within the culture of the time. And the the thing was, if you eat good food, you're going to have a good life. If you eat bad food, you're going to have a bad life. That was kind of the premise of it. You are what you eat. And oftentimes when we sit down like this and we're scrolling through all of this stuff, we're probably eating double-stuffed Oreos, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Lucky Charms, right? Those, uh, by the way, those are two of my like, favorite things in the universe, right? <laughs> so so we, we struggle with this, folks. The things that we take into our lives, it impacts us. Now, this is not going to be a diet sermon, <laughs> right? Um, but this is a, hopefully a very real sermon about the stuff that we struggle with. Because it's not just us, right? The world around us, I would like to think that we're different, but studies show that people who go to church, people that are Christians are honestly not much different than the world. It's the truth. And so we sit and we scroll and we take so much time. So what does that say about us? What does it say about our relationship with God? Is it right? Is it wrong? Should we watch TV? (laughs) Should we go to movies? Should we listen to music? Should should we scroll on our phones? Now, I like to be in touch with the culture around us. I like to know kind of what's going on. I watch the news a lot. 
I, I read a lot. It's just part of my, part of the way I'm made up. I really enjoy that. And so, um, so I like that, but I can also get really skewed by what I read if I don't read the right things. Because pretty soon on my, my, my list of suggestions, even on Google, by the way, it's curated to what I want to see, what's going what's to appeal to me. So if you type in a certain phrase, and like um, I saw this on a, on a documentary the other day, uh, I think it was something like climate change is, or human, human caused climate change is, or whatever. Depending on what your search history is, depending on really what AI has learned about you across all of this stuff, across Facebook, and across uh, YouTube, across Instagram, across all of it, Google is going to fill in information that you want to see. It's going to make you feel right about the position that you have. It's pretty crazy. And it's going to fill out something different for you than it is for me. And then pretty soon you're going to think, everybody thinks like me. Paul, in the New Testament church, um, he didn't have YouTube to deal with, right? He didn't have all of this stuff. AI was not, uh, not around, certainly. But there was something going on in the early church. Um, and Paul, up to this point in the letter to Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, right, he had been super encouraging to the church, saying, church, you're doing well. 17 verses, really, of just kind of expressing this, you guys are doing great, uh, the, the, the word of what you're doing and the stories of how, how God is using you and your faith being told all over the world, and Paul is excited about that. But Paul turns in verse 18 to some pretty difficult things. Now, remember last week, uh, Paul had just talked about, or he had just kind of shared this, um, this, uh, this verse. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So, so there's this, this moment of power there, that there's belief, and there is life change and transformation in belief in the gospel. The story of Jesus, it changes your life. He talks about this exchange that happens and now we become the righteousness of God through this belief, not because of earning it, not because of anything we have done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of God, because of the fact that we're made in his image and he wants to restore relationship with us. Right after this, Paul begins poking at the culture. Paul begins really digging into what the culture is saying to this church. And so all around us, there are pressures. We feel the pressure to give up on our faith. We feel the pressure to uh, kind, of, kind of just, you know what, I've had enough, right? There's enough fear in the world right now uh, to overwhelm us if we allow it. There's enough anxiety in the world, enough depression in the world, right? You, you do enough upheaval and uh, struggle within, uh, within societies, right? I mean, there is, a, there is a shift that is happening. Here's how Paul walks through this with the early church. He says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. There's a lot right there. 
Right? Remember, he had just said that there's a righteousness that we have now that we can experience through, the, through belief in Jesus Christ. And then he turns the page and says, but there's a world out there that is filled with unrighteousness and wickedness. He goes on, he says, because what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, they have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. So there is, in the world around us, um, a lot of confusion. And in this unrighteousness and in this wickedness of the world around us, the Bible says very, very clearly, it says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now, anytime I hear the word wrath, I think anger, right? Anybody who grew up in the 70s, you remember the belt, <laughs> right? A little bit of punishment, right? That went a long way to help you, okay? And uh, right, that's the wrath that I have a tendency to think of. That, kind, that anger, that kind of expression. But this is not that. Right? So when we, when we hear the word wrath, and actually Paul talks about the wrath of God a number of times in Romans. It's a very different, it's not just an emotional response uh, to, to, some, you know, to some action that was done. The wrath of God is a fundamental separation from things that are uh, unholy, from things that are wicked, from things that are wrong with, from sin, right? There is, there is a fundamental separation, and so that wrath is just the word that's used to, to recognize this separation. It's not an anger. It's not an emotion, okay? This is a fundamental principle part of who God is, and it's built into our creation around us because God says, through his word, that there, there is, God can be known at some level in the world around us. In the world, we can see God. Um, uh, William Barclay is a uh, theologian. He wrote this. In the world, we can see God. This is Paul's argument. It's completely valid that if we look at the world, we see that suffering follows sin. If you just look at the world around us, we see that suffering follows sin. Break the laws of agriculture, your harvest fails. Break the laws of architecture, your building collapses. Break the laws of health, as we've already talked about, your body suffers. Paul was saying, look at the world, see how it's constructed from a world like that. You know what God is like, so that those who sin are without excuse. There's something fundamental in the way that we, that we encounter this world that God is known. What can be known about him from the world around us? Bible says two things in particular, right? His eternal power and divine nature. We can know that there is a God who is in heaven, right? That, that there is a God who is powerful. And we can know that there is a God who is separate from somehow other than because we can know his divinity. And that's that sense of that overarching power and authority that God has. But there's a problem, as Paul points out. Um, people suppress this knowledge willfully. So in that suppression, 
in that, in that sense of pushing down, in that sense of holding back a response to the God who has made himself known in this world. Um, it fails to make an impact in people's lives. Not just in America, everywhere. It's not just talking about our culture, and Paul was speaking to the Roman culture at the time. Um, from this earlier quote, if we break the law of agriculture, if we don't water our garden, we get no tomatoes. That's a problem in Utah if you don't water your garden. It's done in minutes, <laughs> right? Now, I can blame other things, but the reality is I didn't water the garden properly, and so the fruit, <laughs> now I suffer <laughs> because I sinned against the garden because I didn't take care of it the way that it should have been taken care of. I can try to blame other things about it. My neighbor didn't remind me to water my garden, right? I can blame, right? But it, it doesn't hold water, <laughs> no pun intended. It's obvious to us that there are laws, right? Laws of nature that are around us. There's also laws of speed limits. Um, when I was a teenager, speed limit was a suggestion at times. <laughs> right? Now, if, if a cop stopped me, which never happened, <laughs> um, if a police officer were to stop me, and my argument was, I don't believe your law. Your law has no hold on me. You can leave me and let me be. <laughs> How would the police officer respond? <laughs> my brother was a police officer, thankfully never pulled me over, <laughs> right? Uh, way out in the middle of nowhere, uh, Utah, uh, driving way too fast. Uh, an officer pulled me over. I was a very, very polite young man when he pulled me over <laughs> and was able to work my way out of a double the speed limit ticket. <laughs> Yay me! Uh, to just five over, which was very, very generous on their part. And I think sometimes what we believe about the laws that God has put in place, uh, we don't believe that God's a God of grace. I've done wrong, and so therefore I will never be made right. We talked a little bit about that last week. And so we actually do the same thing with God. God, uh, this law doesn't apply to me. The law of harvest, the law of, law of life, uh, um, you know, this, uh, um, these laws that God has put out, they, they don't apply to me, God, so therefore I don't need to believe in you. And this is the world around us and the struggle that happens. But the problem is, um, there is a spiral that begins when we suppress this truth of who God is. We're going to be walking through the spiral this week and next week, okay? And so here's, here's where this... Um, this really gets down to the nitty-gritty uh, of, of our response. So this exchange begins in the spiritual realm and then has consequences in the physical realm. So we know this because our beliefs impact what we do. We've talked about this as well, this obedience of faith, right? That what we believe leads us to act and to live differently. And so that's from a perspective where we're trying to live what the Bible says. For those for whom they've rejected through unrighteousness and wickedness and their own choice, they've rejected this knowledge of God that's available to all. There are consequences that happen because that's a belief, by the way. 
right? Atheism is a belief. Agnosticism is a belief, right? And our faith in Christ is a belief, a well-founded, well-grounded belief, mind you. Verse 21 says this, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. It says, therefore, God gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Knowing that there's a God and acting on that knowledge are two very, very different things. They knew God, something within that tugs at the hearts, tugs at the spirit. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I don't have it for you, but it says uh, that God has put eternity in our hearts. All of, all of humanity, everyone who bears the image of God, which is all humanity, there is something about God and something about eternity that is in every one of our hearts. And Paul calls this the senseless heart, the heart that's incapable of making a wise choice. This is that spiral that begins to happen. We push away from belief in God that spirals us to one level, to another level, to another level as we pull further and further and further away from God. Paul, knowing this, wants us to get belief right to begin with. Remember from the beginning of this letter, Paul is recognizing the real need that faith um, this belief, trust, loyalty, um, allegiance, that faith is prior to action. That belief leads us a particular direction. Now we get to the hard truth that there are deep results of belief that are incorrect, no matter how much you may believe them. I think we can all think of those. Um, maybe there's family members, maybe there's coworkers, maybe there's people that you know in another country that have really turned their belief fully away from God. And uh, this is the beginning of an exchange that takes place. And here's the first one. Exchange number one, thinking they could outsmart God, God was replaced with idols. God was replaced with idols. Now, um, I've got a few pictures of idols uh, through the centuries, right? Many of these are quite, quite old, 2500 BC, 1500 BC. Some of them are newer, right? So these are idols that would be put up in people's homes, fertility goddesses or uh, gods of war or things like that. They would be put in people's homes, put in temples, and people would literally go and bow down to them because these represented the deities that they served, and they were called or considered idols because they were representative of these gods. Now, in our world today, typically, we don't have these, <laughs> right? Um, we really don't, in, in, certainly within the American culture. Now, those who have come from other parts of the, other parts of the world, immigrated in, certainly when this is, this is a, perhaps a normal part of some expressions and maybe have brought them with them, but typically in the American culture, we don't have these kind of idols. Yeah. 
This is a lot more like the idol that we have. It's rectangular, 16 by 9, <laughs> right? The idols that we have take shape of this. The idol that we have is a thumb that does this, <laughs> right? Or left, right if you're dating, right? Okay. What is an idol? An idol is anything that represents a power that you believe is going to change your life. <laughs> That's what an idol is. And we've allowed things like AI, what's underneath all of this, to become for us something that shapes our belief, that then shapes our actions and how we treat one another and how we live our lives. Psalm 135 says this, the nation's idols are just silver and gold, things made by human hands. They have mouths, but can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't listen. No, there is, uh, there's no breath in their lungs. Let the people who made these, these idols and all who trust in them become just like them. Remember what Paul said, senseless heart, idolatry, belief, in other than God, the God of the Bible, right, leads to hearts that become numb, eyes that no longer see, ears that no longer hear. We become senseless. What I'm afraid of is honestly in our Christian expression in the world that we have today that this becomes so natural to us. And there's a slow fade that happens. Because all of a sudden, this is where we turn to this idol when we've had a bad day. God, I just need to get away for a minute. Lord, I just need to unwind for a minute. And I get it, I have been there certainly in the last year and a half, right? I mean, we have all been there and far too often this is the easy choice. We struggle with this, folks. I'm just trying to be super real with how we struggle in our culture. So this refusal to acknowledge God, to suppress truth, to put self over God leads to impurity, the dishonoring of others. Really, that's this diminishing of humanity where we cease to see other people as humans. We see them now based on a political stance. We see them now based on a, a social standing. We see them based on an economic outcome. We see them for an object rather than someone made in the image of God. And we become senseless. Exchange number two is this. When the truth of God is replaced with a lie, we begin to worship the creation rather than creator. Our eyes go from here down to here. And all of a sudden, we find it harder to begin looking up. We find ourselves worshiping things other than God. And so I think a good thing for us to consider as we, as we look at closing out here, um, the one commodity that we all have in common is 24 hours. We all have 24 hours. No matter your economic standing, 
no matter how cool you are, <laughs> right? We all have 20, that's it, we have 24 hours. What does our 24 hours say about our relationship with God? If somebody were to look at us, what would they say we worship? If they were, if they were to go through our history on our YouTube channel, what would they say has captured our heart? If they were to go through the, 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 uh, the history on our computers, what's captured us? Have we turned our eyes from the creator to the creation around us? Have we allowed ourselves to get so focused on this, man, this culture around us that lifts up self over everything? Or do we recognize that, folks, we're in a battle, a battle for our souls, a battle for our children? I mean, it truly is a battle. Um, through a book called You Are What You Worship, found this quote and thought it was great. It says this, you might be driven by the desire to climb a corporate ladder, achieve a marital status, sustain a lifestyle of comfort or make a name for yourself, but maybe the pursuit of true happiness and the definition of success are not found in any of these things at all. Living within the bounds of our design is the only place that we can find our true purpose and freedom. In other words, we are most human when we function in the way that we are designed to function and the designer of humanity is none other than God himself. He is most glorified through us when we fulfill his purpose for us. And true worship happens as a response to the revelation of God's goodness by turning away from what kills us and folks, I think I've got some pretty good arguments that say too much of this kills us. Maybe not literally, but it kills something inside of us of the care and concern for the world around us, for the humanity around us that is suffering so heavily right now. If we're not careful, this can kill us. Um, by turning away from what kills us and running towards what saves us. It turns us from pride and runs to humility. It turns from selfishness and runs towards selflessness. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close. Your feet? <laughs> your feet as we close out. Hopefully you get my heart in, in all of this. Um, I'm right here with you. There is no way that I can stand in front of you and say, folks, I pray 17 hours a day. I sleep for the other seven and that's all I do. <laughs> right? that's, I'm not here to say that. I'm here to say that this journey is something that we all face. And again, I don't think God is saying, drop your phones in the, you know, in the toilet and flush them. That's, I don't think God's saying that either. What I'm saying is that all these tools can be great, but man, they can also lead us astray so quickly. We can't point to the world outside and say, look at the world out there. Look at the wicked and unrighteousness that they are celebrating, turning away from God. It's just as close as this for us. So we have to be super careful, folks, with what we worship. 
Because we are what we take in. We truly are. We are what we eat, right? We are what we consume, whether it's media, social, whatever it is. And we are what we worship. And I want our eyes to turn toward the creator. I want our eyes to, I want our strength to be found in only him. I want our trust to be such that when we have a bad day, our first thing is not to sit on the couch and scroll and to look at TV. Our first thing, and this is for me conviction as well, the first thing is to turn to the word. The first thing is maybe throw on a bit of worship and get our hearts right with him because bad days are gonna continue to come. We're not gonna get over them. (laughs) There's going to be bad days in the future. Let's begin new habits, folks, in our worship. Father, I'm so grateful for our opportunity to gather together. And God, we stand as a people in need. We recognize that the culture has influenced us more than we care to admit. God, we see it in our children. We see it in ourselves. We see it in our parents. God, help us to turn away from those things that do not lead to life. God, let us not point a finger at the world outside of the church and say that's where the problem is, but God, help us to recognize that, Lord, we also deal with all these same things. And God, it's just as easy for us to fall into unrighteousness. It's just as easy for us to turn our eyes away from you and to begin to worship the created things around us by the time that we spend. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. You're here this morning. You would say, you know, Pastor, I really do need to reevaluate the time that I spend on things uh, that I know are leading me away from the truth rather than towards Christ. If that's you, you can just lift your hand uh, really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands up. Lord, we're in this together. God, we recognize that there's a struggle that we face in our culture. And so, God, we give to you our hearts and our lives. God, we give to you in commitment, God, that, Lord, we will be different from this day forward. That, God, our worship will reflect the fact that we worship our creator rather than created things. God, we recognize that there's an exchange that takes place. And Lord, when we turn our eyes away from you, God, there is an inevitable fall that happens. And God, that fall doesn't happen just outside in the world, but God, it can happen inside as well. And so Lord, help us as your followers keep our eyes stayed upon you. Lord, we love you this day. God, we do praise you. And Lord, as we, you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you, God, let it be that that's reflected in the way that we live our lives, that Lord, we are more like you. God, let our eyes and our hearts not be senseless, but God, help us to be able to feel again the world around us that is hurting so bad. God, that we wouldn't be blinded, we wouldn't be deaf. God, we wouldn't be mute to this world. We got our hearts to be turned towards you first and foremost, that we would have an answer for the pain around us. God, help us to worship you. Lord, we love you this day. God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. So we're not gonna end with a time of worship. How we're going to end is with the reality that the decision has to be yours. It has to be. That when we walk out of this room, the conviction can stop Right? I mean, we all know that. You've been in church long enough. You've been here a while. You know that you can walk out there and you can forget everything that's been said. And I get that. And there's many times I forget what I said five minutes after I said it. Okay? So I know that. But maybe, just maybe, there'll be a second thought when you sit down this afternoon. 
And maybe there'll be a new decision that can be made and you say, God, help me. God, help me to worship you differently. Amen. Next week, we're digging into some more really tough stuff. So come ready. Invite your friends. I know that God's, uh, God's up to something challenging us. So God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon. See you next week.